Welcome to Principles of Wealth, a podcast built at the intersection of finances and real life values. I'm your host, Holly Mazaka. On this podcast, we'll walk through real life stories of finances and wealth while addressing some of the most commonly asked questions we receive from our clients. At Bartlett Wealth Management, we know that the path to pursuing your financial goals is not a straight one. It comes with twists and turns, pit stops, unexpected roadblocks, and even a few pleasant surprises along the way. We're here to help you navigate this journey by providing stories and insights that you can apply to your own unique path. We'll dive into conversations that address the question, what is the purpose of my wealth? This podcast will cover a range of topics, including current dynamics in the financial markets, planning for retirement, charitable giving that aligns with your values, passing wealth on to future generations, exploring business transitions, and so much more. Welcome. It's hard to believe 2022 is already in full swing and February is upon us. Our Bartlett team recently hosted our annual strategy update, where we explored the factors impacting markets today and the steps investors can take to prepare for what's ahead. Our theme this year was a balanced approach, a timely reminder that during periods of market turbulence, we remain steady in our approach. Today, I'm joined by two of our strategy update stars, Jim Haggerty and Lori Poole. Jim is the CEO of Bartlett, a leader on our equity strategy team, and a dedicated historian of the market. He'll share helpful perspective on the drivers of the stock and bond markets and how investors can take advantage of the opportunities created by this market turbulence. Welcome, Jim. Thanks, Holly. Good to be here. So, Jim, after an unusually steady year in the U.S. stock markets in 2021, 2022 greeted us with a bit of turbulence. Is this normal, and what should investors do about it? It's very normal. In fact, 2021 was the exception when you have a market going up more than 20% with only one brief setback in September when the stocks pulled back 5%. Generally, you have two to three setbacks a year, um, five to ten percent or so. That that's the norm. So, what factors are driving these market moves? There's a a lot out there. When you boil it down, what are the key drivers to the markets today? Well, the stock market fell approximately ten percent uh, at its low point in late January, and I think the primary factor that provoked that was this anticipation of a a shift in the Federal Reserve's interest rate policy as they seek to contain these inflation pressures that have developed. Inflation hit a 40-year high of 7% at year-end. And so getting that back under control is going to require higher interest rates. And I think that's just created a lot of apprehension in the markets um, because uh, that generally portends slower economic growth and slower growth in corporate profits. So, Jim, You mentioned this idea of inflation, and I know that it's a pretty scary word for investors, especially those who remember the pain of long-term inflation like we experienced back in the 1970s and early 80s, as you mentioned. What does inflation mean for stocks? Well, the ideal environment for stocks 
is an environment of moderate inflation. Uh, the last 40 years, inflation has averaged about 3%, coming down from the very high levels of the 1970s and, and then sustained low inflation. And so the ideal setting seems to be very moderate, 1% to 3% inflation. Good companies can function well in that kind of a setting. It also allows for interest rates to remain low, which is good for business, good for households. Um, and when inflation gets too much higher as it is now, and as we saw in the 1970s, that can require more assertive measures by the Federal Reserve that could bring on a recession. So it's, it's, it's a delicate balancing act, um, uh, striving for a, a, a low, uh, somewhat moderate rate of inflation. When you think about stocks, are they a hedge to this? How do companies uh, utilize inflation to their advantage? Well, historically, stocks have been an inflation hedge. Over long periods of time, stocks have been the most reliable asset class to keep investors ahead of inflation. And drilling down, um, I think good companies that have vital goods and services, sort of mission-critical goods and services that don't have great substitutes, strong competitive advantages, those kinds of companies have pricing power. And we certainly see that in the market where what we're seeing so far this year is that companies that have the pricing power and the ability to withstand inflationary pressures in their business, preserve their profit margins, keep growing, those kind of companies are doing well. So pricing power is a, a critical aspect of this. Are there other items that you and the Bartlett Research Team are looking at in the stock selection process, especially when we think about this inflationary environment? What's different maybe today than it was a couple of years ago? Well, we look at a wide variety of factors in evaluating businesses. Stocks ultimately represent ownership of a business, and we don't view them as just trading vehicles. We, we buy a stock with the intention to own it for a long period of time. So we think a lot about what distinguishes the company's business, what makes it strong, what makes it enduring, uh, what gives it the ability to, over time, increase sales, increase earnings, reward us with higher and higher dividends. We think a lot about those business factors. But then equally important is how is the stock valued in the marketplace? And so we'll look at... Uh, historical relationships relative to its peers, relative to the market. Because you, you can find a stock where you check all the boxes as to the business, and it's a business you really want to own. If the valuation is uh, extraordinarily high, it, it, it won't be a good investment. So it, it's really a combination of business factors and stock valuation. So looking beyond stocks and thinking about bonds, it's been a pretty tough time for bond investors. What factors are really taken into consideration when you're building a bond portfolio right now? Well, I think you have to think about resilience uh, to higher interest rates because I think that's that's coming. The Federal Reserve is uh, arguably behind the curve raising interest rates, and, and, and March seems to be the point at which they will begin doing that. And so you have to think about uh, bonds that are going to be resilient to higher interest rates. Usually higher interest rates weigh on bond prices, and that is in fact why broad measures of the bond market indexes the bond market had negative returns uh, in January and negative returns for the entire year 2021. So you really have to think about the kinds of bonds that can hold up 
uh, in an environment of higher inflation and the Fed imposing higher interest rates. So as interest rates rise, the price of our bonds come down, but then you're able to reinvest at these higher interest rates. Talk about how you think through this this sort of self-healing aspect of the of the bond market. Well, that's why a portfolio, uh, I think a bond investor, just like a stock investor, needs to avoid the extremes. You don't concentrate all of your investments at the very short end, sort of the one to two year maturities, neither do you concentrate them at the very long end. You you have a, a blend of maturities and that guarantees that uh, as interest rates are going up, you have uh, cash to reinvest to take advantage of higher interest rates. If, on the other hand, it's entirely possible that at some point in uh, 2022, there may be a perception that the Fed has moved along raising interest rates and that the next chapter is going to be an economic slowdown and perhaps a recession, that may bring long-term interest rates down. And that, in turn, buoys bond prices. So you just have to be balanced. As we said in our strategy update, the whole theme was maintaining balance. You have to be balanced in your approach. And make sure that your bond portfolio isn't narrowly wedded to just one outcome. So we've talked a lot about risks that are out there. Inflation is definitely one of those. Flipping to a bit more of a glass half full perspective here, which, you know, is is my favorite thing to talk about. (laughs) What areas of the market are you really excited about? Well, I think we we see... uh, very significant ongoing innovation. And it's very exciting and uplifting when you get down to the level of studying companies and seeing what they're doing to maintain their competitive edge, what kind of things are happening in research and development, what kind of things are happening in new product activities. Are they doing opportunistic things vis-a-vis mergers and acquisitions? Are they raising dividends? Are they buying back stock if it's attractively valued? When you really get down to the company level, and can study the actual blocking and tackling that's going on. It's it's exciting and uplifting. And we do see a lot of reasons for optimism all across our portfolio, but I would say the maybe the sectors that are, are, are most noteworthy would be areas like technology, healthcare, and consumer products. So pulling this all together, as we think about an investment portfolio and trying to find balance in that investment portfolio, weighing out these risks with the opportunities. What are the key items investors need to keep in mind as we navigate the markets ahead? Holly, there was a terrific article in the Wall Street Journal at the start of the year uh, where the author was talking about these very things and the market is tugging us in different directions and people want to have predictions and so forth. And he ended with a tagline I love. He said, the best investment for 2022 is discipline. And a disciplined investor maintains an even temperament, doesn't get unduly exalted by great results in 2021, doesn't get unduly downcast when the market gets off to a bad start in 2022. She stays disciplined about the key factors of asset allocation, stock selection. Uh, Those are really the key factors to staying balanced. So it's not just the intellect of having the right answers, but the temperament and the proper behavior along the way. Well, no less an authority than Warren Buffett once said that temperament is even more important than intellect. Your ability to keep things in perspective and, again, not get unduly confident or, God forbid, let hubris set in when things look good, but also not get uh, unduly 
cautious or caught up in despair when things don't look good or when the market's in a tailspin like it was in January. The the behavioral ability to keep things in proper perspective and uh, that allows you when things happen like the January tailspin, as an investor, you can be in a mode of, of looking at those things dispassionately and objectively and looking for opportunities rather than, rather than running for cover, which would be the ultimate behavioral penalty. So we've talked about the balance in portfolios as you think about it in your personal life. Any tips for staying balanced outside of work? Sure. And I, I think this is relevant, whether you're in investment management or you're practicing law, you're a neurosurgeon, you're a teacher, uh, you have to have outlets and uh, you have to uh, um, turn the switch off uh, occasionally and just uh, make sure you make time for physical fitness, for reading outside of your your area of expertise, athletic activities, family activities. You just need, need to make time for those. And times where you are, it's hard to do these days as we're connected 24-7, mobile technologies and so forth. But as best you can, as best you can, genuine time where the professional switch is turned off for a while and you, you get the natural recuperative effect that comes with doing other things. Thank you, Jim. That's a great segue as we bring on our next guest, Lori Poole. Lori is a certified financial planner and a registered life planner. Lori partners with her clients to develop long-term financial plans, but she doesn't stop there. Lori is great at walking with clients through the execution of their plans. She helps instill confidence that they can accomplish their goals. She helps ensure action items are completed and is very good at flexing the plan along the way when changes arise. Welcome, Lori. Thanks, Holly. I'm really excited to be here today. So, Lori, Jim touched on a number of risks facing us today. How are you factoring these into your clients' financial plans? Holly, I think we can really be lulled to sleep by how good things have seemingly been. But if you reflect on the last couple of years, things have actually been pretty turbulent, both in personal lives and in the markets. We had our lives completely rocked when COVID hit. We had something called social distancing, which we now know so well. And we had to wear masks everywhere and stay apart from our families. And that was all really hard. And not to mention the trouble that COVID brought in our portfolios. We saw some serious market declines at that time. And people had a lot of trouble in their jobs. And the story doesn't even stop there. There were so many other factors like supply chain issues. I even had a lot of clients telling me they couldn't buy the cars that they want because of supply chain issues. So it was a really interesting time. And these factors and so many others led us to this time of higher inflation that we're experiencing now and the potential for lower future returns in our portfolios. So as we think about putting this all together in a long-term financial plan, we just have to remember that things will ebb and flow. We can't let our highs get too high, and we really can't let our lows get too low. There's going to be great stock market returns like we've experienced now, and there will be more in the future, but there's always going to be below average returns that come with those above average. So we have to just let, let ourselves stay constant and stick to our plans. So how can people stay balanced? How can they make sure the highs aren't too high and those lows aren't too low? 
It's really a great question and one that I think we coach our clients on on a regular basis because you can kind of forget how to stay balanced. There's three main ideas that we always come back to and that I would want you and others to remember, which would include setting a sustainable spending plan on how to spend your money throughout your life and bringing that together with an appropriate asset allocation. And then lastly, just really sticking to your plans. Spending is actually the most important factor when solving to make sure a client's financial plan is successful for their future. But most clients think that returns are the most important. Mm. So it's really interesting to put it all together. And uh, once you've determined what you need to live on, so what your expenses will be and can be for the rest of your life, you can put that together to create an appropriate asset allocation where you have enough risk, but also the appropriate safeguards so that you can withstand any of these markets, the good and the bad. And last, sticking to your plan is really, really very important, but we know that uh, life is going to get in the way. So it sounds so easy. Of course, I'll stick to my plan, Lori. Duh. (laughs) But life has a funny way of creating obstacles when we aren't expecting them. And so Bartlett, as advisors to our clients, takes a very active role in helping our clients to come back to the path when things come up. You bring up a great point on this idea of the importance of spending. And all too often, we want to rely on those things that are external, the the market returns, our uh, salaries at work. However, we it, it, you do have to kind of turn it around on yourself a little bit and make sure that your spending is in line with that. And I know one of the heuristics that we've used a lot in our industry is this idea of the, the 4% rule. Can you explain what the 4% rule is as it relates to spending? And how do you factor it in to a part of a financial plan? Yeah, of course. The 4% rule is just the idea that in your very first year of retirement, you would take 4% out of your portfolio and that you would increase that by inflation every year and you would have about 30 years before you would run out of money. Pretty simple math. It's, you know, you can calculate that. Anybody can calculate that. But at Bartlett, we think a more dynamic approach is the best fit for our clients. It can't be such a one-size-fits-all because sometimes we find that clients might not need 4%. Maybe they need 1% or 2%. And then so why would we create capital gains to give them extra cash that they don't need? You know, let that stay working in the portfolio. Whereas on the other hand, some years they may have a big expense, planned housing things, buying that car finally. And so they might need more than 4%, and that might be completely acceptable for their financial plan. So we really have to work as a team with our clients to dig through the details and make everything custom to them. So, Lori, you mentioned the importance of asset allocation. In addition to this idea of spending that we've talked about, asset allocation is another part of the financial plan that we can take ownership and control of. Why is asset allocation so important? 
Asset allocation basically determines your portfolio return over time. So as you think about projecting out stock and bonds and what those future returns are going to be, how much you have in each, which is what is made up of your asset allocation, is the single most important determinant factor in what that ends up being. So it's so important to get that right. We want our clients to have enough growth so that they can keep up with and beat inflation over their lifetime, but not too much risk because we really like it when our clients sleep at night. Yeah. So (laughs) we're currently striving to have our clients have about a cash reserve for one year's worth of expenses. And we find that that's appropriate for almost everyone. So Lori, you mentioned this idea of having cash on hand. And we also talked to clients about having fixed income or bonds as a part of their portfolio. But we know it's a tough time for bond investors right now, given the interest rate environment. What role do bonds play in an asset allocation for clients? Bonds are a key part of that sleep at night part of your portfolio and really helping to keep the balance and remain invested through all stock market and bond market um, iterations. We call that the all-weather portfolio at Bartlett. So when you have that balance, um, even if you're not getting a very good return, your bonds are probably not going down like stocks are, and certainly your cash is staying stable. So to put that into perspective, if we go back to the 2008-9 financial crisis, Stocks were down at their worst point, I think around maybe a little over 50%. And so that was a really tough market. And if you didn't have those bonds to rely on to pay for your expenses, you may have had to been a forced seller at depressed prices in stock markets. So we don't want that for clients. And then if we use that lesson even more, we know that it took a balanced portfolio of someone that remained invested and stuck to their plan about three years to recover. So we really really want that balance in portfolios to make sure that our clients can stick to their plans and even potentially be opportunistic by selling bonds and buying some stocks that are on sale because who doesn't love a good sale? Yeah, that's exactly right. So bonds are there to help us sleep at night, to make sure we have what we need for withdrawals, and then also some of the opportunistic times in portfolios. That's right. So looking at the long-term plans of our clients, we've talked a lot about asset allocation and spending policies. How do you help your clients stick to their long-term plans? Honestly, I think you really have to, you know, care about your clients and about the outcomes. It's so much more than just sitting behind a desk and looking at numbers. You have to humble yourself enough to remember that these are people's lives. And I think that me and so many others get really invested in our lives. I mean, we get Christmas cards from clients and you get to see their families and, uh, you know, see them around town at different events. And so it just becomes such a personal endeavor for each of us to help our clients and sticking to their plan. Really, I think that you have to just have that balance and patience so that when clients call you and they're fearful that that something has gone off track, you can put that into perspective. You can help them set an action plan on how to get back on track and really, um, you know, become their accountability buddy almost and help them with the execution of their plan over time. So it's really just being right beside the client um, and helping them at every step of the way. 
Yeah, that's really interesting. It's like a, a gym partner. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I know that recently we've, as we've come through the holiday season, you're receiving cards from clients that have pictures of their family, and it's always so fun to to put the the details together and to see the the reason why behind what we do, um, what we do every day. So that's really really exciting on and seeing how it comes to life for individuals and helping clients remember, you know. This is why we're sticking with the long-term plan, even when it's hard. Yeah, I would coach, you know, all of our younger associates that remembering the people and the why we're in this business, that's what keeps you humble. So we've talked a lot about how we help clients stay balanced. Any tips for staying balanced in your life outside of work? Whew, uh, I should probably call my life coach. It's been too long since I've reviewed my life plan with uh, my life planner. But honestly, I think it's always a struggle. There's a lot of gives and takes, uh, but I try to give myself a lot of grace. There's you know, going to be times where I'm better at work and times that I'm better at home. And so just giving yourself that grace to, um, to be able to make mistakes and uh, grow from them and really identifying you know, at least a few things that keep you happy. So one of my favorite things uh, is to join my son for mass at his school. It's such a nice time to stop and reflect uh, in my life, but the joy on my son's face when he gets to leave his class and come back and sit with me along with all of the parents. It's just so fun. And I think you just have to remember the little moments that make life so sweet. And this is something that I know I have to remind myself on a regular basis. Um, but I think that that helps to keep uh, keep the balance. Well, thank you, Lori. That is a really special moment. And I am grateful that you took time out of your busy day to come in here today and share some of these tips with our listeners on how investors can stay balanced in their portfolios and their financial plans and a little bit in personal life too. This was so fun. As we wrap up today, I wanted to share a few reflections I had as a Cincinnatian and a big fan of the Bengals. I have to say Cincinnati is a buzz right now with Bengals fever. As we record this episode, the Bengals are the AFC champions and are headed to the Super Bowl. And by the time this episode airs, we'll know who the ultimate winner of the Lombardi Trophy is. Regardless of the outcome, it's been a fantastic ride for the team, the fans, and our city. As I reflect on this major accomplishment, a few key leadership lessons came to mind. First, put in the work. This road to the Super Bowl began in the offseason. Before the stadium lights, before the roaring crowds, and before the cameras were focused on him, Joe Burrow worked and worked and worked <laughs> to return stronger than ever from his knee injury. And he wasn't the only Bengal working that hard. It was the entire team. We often praise the talent of professional athletes without recognizing the behind-the-scenes effort that goes into their game day performance. Taking this lesson beyond the field... The connection between talent and success comes down to the effort you apply to get better every single day. The most significant moments of growth will take place when no one is watching. Without putting the work in then, you'll never be ready for the playoffs. Second, never give up. Even when it looks like the chips are stacked against you, never stop believing. The Stockdale paradox is the epitome of this belief held tight by the Bengals. 
confront the brutal facts of your current reality, but you must retain faith that you will prevail in the end regardless of the difficulties. The facts of the AFC Championship game were brutal. The Bengals were down 21-3 in one of the loudest stadiums against one of the best offenses in the league, but our team never lost faith that they would prevail in the end. Taking this beyond the field, when you find yourself facing unfavorable odds, never give up. Work your tail off to make the big plays happen. Show up when it's your turn to shine. Thank you all for joining us here today. We look forward to seeing you next time on Principles of Wealth. The information in this podcast is educational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision.